Welcome to Dexter First Pentecostal Church Podcast. Dexter First Pentecostal Church is located at 1213 North One Mile Road in Dexter, Missouri. Our current service times are 1030 on Sunday mornings and at 7 on Wednesday nights. Today's message is entitled Unmasked Warrior. It was preached on Sunday morning, August the 30th, 2020. Our prayer is that it's a blessing to you. Second Chronicles chapter 18, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 28. The king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, they went up to Ramoth-Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle. Hmm. Anybody recognize we're in a battle? And does anybody realize that you don't need a disguise? But Ahab says, I'm going to disguise myself and go into battle. But you wear your robes, and the king of Israel disguised himself. They went into battle, and the king of Syria had commanded the captains of his chariots to fight with neither small nor great, but only with the king of Israel. As soon as the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, It is the king of Israel. So they turned to fight against him, but then Jehoshaphat cried out and said, Lord, and the Lord helped him, and God drew them away from him. For as soon as the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back and, from pursuing him. But a certain man drew his bow. Now, don't, don't, don't know his name, but, but it was a certain man drew his bow at random, he had nobody in sight. He just drew his bow. He shot the arrow and struck the king of Israel between the scale armor of, his, of the breastplate. Therefore he said to the driver of his chariot, Turn around and carry me out of the battle, for I am wounded. And the battle continued that day, and the king of Israel was propped up in his chariot facing the Syrians until evening. Then at sunset he died. Amen. You cannot survive this battle if you're in disguise. Ahab thought, if I could just put on a disguise, the enemy won't recognize me. You cannot trick the enemy with your disguise. In the book of Acts, it talks about the seven sons of Sceva. Amen. The spirit cried out and says, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? I want to just for a few moments, I believe the Lord's going to confirm some things here for some this morning. I want to preach on this subject. <clears throat> Unmasked warrior. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you this morning. And God, we, we recognize, we see the signs of the times all around us. And Lord, we believe, and I believe, oh God, that you are, you're moving, you're stirring, you're shaking. God, you're wanting us to wake up. You're wanting us to understand what it's going to take in order to be victorious in this late hour. And I pray today, oh God, as you will continue, Lord, give us understanding. Help us to see clearly. I pray, Lord, as you anoint our hearts and our minds today, in Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name. You can be seated for just a moment. Hallelujah. Unmasked warrior. 
Hallelujah. The Swiss Department of Defense announced in 1994 that it was going to have to give up its 77-year-old carrier pigeon service because of financial constraints. But as you would have it, and we can, I'm sure, recognize in this hour, there was a pro-pigeon group that emerged to protest this decision. Amen. If there could be enough signatures gathered, the issue of whether to abolish one of the world's last units of military carrier pigeons would then go to referendum. Anybody know that there was military carrier pigeons? Although Switzerland, the country's then 400,000 man reserve army, has not fought in a foreign war since 1515. The, the military traditions they have are almost sacred. The Swiss army pigeons, they fly faster than 35 miles an hour. They were used in both world wars to relay messages over mountainous terrain. And until 1994, the army owned some 7,000 pigeons and had another 223,000 birds owned by private breeders on standby in case of a national emergency. Pigeon breeders were especially angered by the plan because they trained the birds for difficult missions. For centuries, the tiny alpine nation of Switzerland has adhered to a policy of armed neutrality in global affairs. Switzerland is not to be involved in armed or political conflicts between other nations. And I guess when your stance on everything is neutral, then you can focus more of your resources toward training pigeons. And while there are, they are proponents to peace, which I believe most people are, there are times when you have to stand in defense of what you value the most. In a Christian's life, you cannot always stand in the neutral zone. There will be moments, there will be times, when you're not only going to have to defend what you stand for, but you may also have to go into the offense of, and attack that which is, was going to attack you first. Hallelujah. I personally am not one. I, I've never enjoyed fighting. I've told people many times, I, I just never enjoyed getting punched in the face. Not something that I just thought, man, I really wish that would happen. No, I, don't. I try to avoid that. But when it comes to the spiritual manner and the, and, the, and the essence in which we live, there has got to be within me something that says, I am not going to just stand here and let the enemy ravage my life 
When you and I together have access to weapons that are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of those strongholds. The enemy will attack. It's not if, but it is when. Many of you here this morning either have or maybe still are at this very moment, amen, waging a war, amen, a spiritual onslaught of the enemy against your very life. And you may have walked in here today wondering, how am I going to survive another day? Let me tell you, first of all, you're not going to survive, amen, like Switzerland and just be neutral and train pigeons. But you're going to have to go to war this morning. But not just within your ability, but this battle in which we rage. It is not our battle, but it is the Lord's battle who will fight for us. In 2 Chronicles 14, Zerah the Ethiopian, the Bible says, came against them. And he had an army of how many? A million. Amen. A million man army come against them. They had 300 chariots, uh, and they came as far as Marasha. And Asa, amen, the king at that time, he went out to meet him. Uh, and they drew up their lines of battle uh, in the valley of Zep- Zephathah and Marasha. And Asa, he cried to the Lord his God. Uh, number one, Asa understood, I don't know how to do this. Uh, I don't have the ability on my own. I need some help. Uh, and he called out to the Lord. Uh, and he said, oh Lord, there is none like you uh, to help uh, between the mighty and the weak. Uh, I realize today uh, in my own physical sense, uh, I am weak uh, when it compares uh, to the spiritual enemy. Uh, but I am not weak in the spirit when it comes to the spiritual enemy we talked about it last week amen that the the Bible tells us that Lucifer when he was kicked out of heaven that he took a third of the angels with him we don't know how many angels in total that there are but we do know that for every demon there are two godly angels so in a spiritual sense you and I today we are a part of the majority but more than anything else we got God who is in himself always the majority he said help us O Lord our God for we rely on you and in your name we have come against the multitude O Lord you are our God let not man prevail against you I want you to hear the way he prayed O Lord God help us for we rely on you and in your name we have come against this multitude does that sound familiar amen what did David do when he approached Goliath He said, you come to me with a spear and a shield and a sword. But he said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. There is something about the name of Jesus. There is something about the revelation and the understanding of the power of the name of Jesus. Amen. The scripture is not that, it's really not that dramatic. It just says, so the Lord defeated the Ethiopians. Amen. I'd like to have a little bit more dramatic continuance there, but with God, He's like, a million-man army is no big deal to me. To Asa, 
it was too much. But for God, it's like, no big deal. I can defeat them. So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians. Before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Asa and the people who were with him, they pursued them as far as Gerar, and the Ethiopians fell until none remained alive. At one moment, they are such a, such a hindrance. How are we going to do this? How are we going to handle this? How are we going to be able to get over this or through this? And then once they call upon the Lord, the Lord, the Bible tells us, he defeats them. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, you can't do it on your own. But with God, all things are possible. Amen. That's a great story. Praise God. But then you go a little further down the road in history. And you turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 16. In the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Basha, king of Israel, went up against Judah. And he built Ramah. And that he might permit no one to go out or to come in to Asa, king of Judah. He went to build Ramah. The word Ramah there, it means to hurl, to shoot, to delude or betray, as if causing to fall. How many here does that sound like your enemy? He'll do everything he can. He'll build a rhema in your, in your pathway that's going to do whatever it can to enable you or cause you to fall. Amen. Asa. You had turned to the Lord when the million-man army come against you. What are you going to do this time? Well, the Bible tells us that he took silver and gold from the treasures of the house of the Lord and the king's house, and he sent them to Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria. Asa, what are you doing? When the million-man army come against you, you, you turn to the Lord, and the Lord delivered you. But why now are you turning to the king of Syria? Because that's the easy thing. That's the fleshly thing. That's what would be maybe the logical thing. Let me tell you, spiritually, it's never logical to take the, 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 the gold, if you will, the silver, the treasures from the house of the Lord and, and try to use it as leverage to get somebody, amen, on a horizontal level to assist you. This is something that Asa should have taken it back to the Lord. Say, Lord... You delivered me from the million man army and I believe God you're going to deliver me from this rima. Amen. And as a result of that action the Bible says in verse 7 at that time Hanani the seer came to Asa king of Judah and said to him because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God. The army of the king of Syria has escaped you. I'm telling you, friend, I don't know why we do it so often. I've been, I've been guilty of it myself. But why do we think that we can fight spiritual battles, amen, within our own flesh? Why is it that we think that if I just go through the motions, amen, everything's going to be all right? But there comes a time when you've got to take off the mask you've got to get rid of the disguise and you've got to come clean before God and say God whether it's a million man army or whether it's a rhema I've got to have you in order for me to make it through 
Ahab was one of the many kings in Israel who did not do what was right in the sight of God. He was married to a lady by the name of Jezebel. Uh, man, I'm telling you, they were, they were quite uh, a power team. Uh, amen. When it comes to, to evil. Uh, and the Bible tells us in 1 Kings 21 uh, that there was a man by the name of Naboth. Uh, he had a vineyard in Jezreel uh, beside the palace of Ahab, uh, king of S Samaria. And after this, Ahab said to Naboth, uh, Give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden because it's convenient, it's near to my house, uh, and I will give you a better vineyard for it. Uh, that seems like a logical transaction. Uh, or if it seemed good to you, I will give you its value in money. I, I want to make a deal here, uh, and I, I, I want to be fair, was what Ahab was saying. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. Basically what he is saying is, hey, this ain't for sale. I don't care how much money you give me. I don't care how conveniently located it is to your home. This, this vineyard is not for sale. We know the story. We're familiar with it. Ahab goes home. He's, uh, he's kind of pouting. Jezebel says, man, what's your problem? And, and he goes on and tells him. And then she says, hey, you're the king. Why don't you just go take that vineyard? Long story short, they come and they kill Naboth. And they, then he takes the vineyard. I, I believe here today, amen, there are some things that I have possession of. Devil, they ain't for sale. Amen. It may appear to you as if they have no value, but I'm telling you, to me, they mean the world. Those of you that know me, I have a whole lot of keepsakes. And they ain't got an absolute no value at all. Matter of fact, from anyone, even those inside my own family will say, you're crazy for having that stuff. But to me, it connects me to a memory. And for me, it's not the item itself. It's the memory that it represents. That means a whole lot to me. So I don't care if they were valuable, I wouldn't sell them. And since they aren't valuable, <laughs> I'm not going to sell them. Naboth, you've got a vineyard that's valuable. You've got a, you've got a buyer that's willing to pay top price. You've got a buyer that's willing to, to maybe even exchange it. I mean, you're not going to be losing, Naboth. You're going to still have a vineyard. But Naboth says, no, you don't understand. This particular vineyard is my inheritance. And I, I don't care what i got to do. I am going to stand my ground. And he did. And unfortunately, he died. Now, we like to have a different ending to that story. We would like to think that the good guy always wins. We would like to think that, that as a result of the battle that we always come out on the winning side. Can I remind you this morning that you will come out on the winning side. All things work together for good to them who love the Lord. Now, it depends on which value that you're looking at things through. Amen. When I'm talking about eternity, you're on the right side. Even if, amen, I, I, I lose my life here. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. During this pandemic, amen, we have lost, due to the COVID-19, we've lost some very precious, godly Men and women of God. Amen. Brother Guy was one that I, 
I still don't understand it. I know God's able to heal. I've, I've read reports of those that was on the ventilator longer than he ever was even, and they still were able to recover. I don't understand God's ways, but I'm telling you, it ain't a, it ain't a loss. It's our loss, but it is heaven's gain. Amen. Understandably, when we stand before a casket with our loved one, amen, we mourn. Our hearts are broken. But when it is to a believer, that's why the Bible says, how beautiful in the sight of the Lord is the death of a saint. Because the reason we live the way we live is for that moment to receive and inherit that reward. So if it takes my life, so be it. Amen. But more importantly, there is a, there's things in me that's got to die. I cannot live this walk with God and be successful and be victorious if I've got my flesh always influencing every decision that I make. I've got the, the, the flesh within me has got to die. And it will die if I will take a stand on the most valuable thing that I have possession of. I want to, to land the plane here this morning with this last story. Amen. The Cheyenne Indians of the 1800s lived on the great plains of the United States. The Cheyenne, they had six warrior, what they called societies. Perhaps the greatest of these warrior societies was known as the dog soldiers. Amen. English journalist Henry Stanley, upon viewing them, he described the dog soldiers as the Spartans of the plains. Each one of them wore a sash around his waist, and they called it a dog rope. And at the end of that rope was a, what they called a picket pin. Amen. A picket pin was a pointed stake, again, tied to the end of the rope. It could be driven in the ground to tether a horse, which could then graze but not wander off. So in the case of the dog soldiers pen would be driven into the ground as a mark of resolve in combat. When a dog soldier was staked to the ground in order to cover the retreat of his companions, he was required to remain there even if death was the consequence. The dog man could pull the pen from the ground only if his companions reached safely or another dog soldier released him from his duty. Amen. Try to imagine being a dog soldier. The tribe is under attack by a strong enemy. The battle has turned against it. Everyone must flee to preserve his life and the lives of his loved ones. But the enemy is pressing the fight, eager to wipe out every man, woman, and child. So despite being alone against hundreds and perhaps thousands, 
we would face the adversary. We would uncoil our dog rope. We would drive our pen into the ground, prepared at least to delay the enemy so that others can escape. Amen. Re realistically, what chance do we have? Maybe it would be to the best to pull the pin or untie the dog rope, turn and run. But we cannot do that, for we are dog soldiers who have committed to give our lives, if necessary, when we were welcomed into the warrior society. Amen. Too many of us, church, were going into the battle disguised, hoping the enemy don't recognize us, hoping that the enemy don't, don't know who we are. Instead, we need to be like a dog soldier. Hey, I'm standing right here. I'm not retreating. I'm not moving. I don't care what kind of onslaught. When the enemy comes in like a flood, I'm going to believe that the Spirit of the Lord is going to raise up a standard against the enemy. But if the enemy comes and my life is taken, just know that I stood my ground. And I'm not standing my ground just for my own sake or my own reputation. But I am standing as the scripture talks about in the gap. I am standing for somebody else, amen, so that they can find their safety. I'm standing for somebody else because I'm believing that my prayers God is hearing. I'm believing that the times of travail and the times of intercession, it's not just wasted time and energy, but God is hearing my prayers. But just know, I'm standing my ground. I'm not leaving. I'm not retreating. I'm holding my stand. As we stand here today, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Whether you want it or not, there's a battle. I, I know many of you may have read or maybe you've seen some video clips and I have tried and I have actually done much better this, this week. Amen. My, my iPad here, my iPhone, it, it keeps up with the time of my screen time. And this past week, I was down 22%. Because I'm, I, I'm preaching the other day, I, I'm not, I am, I, I consume too much news so I'm doing better. <laughs> but I saw this week after the Republican National Convention in Washington, D.C., there were political um, constituents on both sides of the aisle as they were leaving the convention and they were walking down the street to their hotel room or to wherever they were heading. Protesters surrounded them. These were both Republican and Democrat. And I, I don't know where, what your view is on the protests or whatever, but let me tell you, what they are at that moment, they're bullies is what they are. These people were just trying to mind their own business. They had a, an elderly gentleman just wanting to watch fireworks. And they come around him, they attacked him, they, they, they punched him, they kicked him. I, I, my, my point in even referencing to that is this. You may say, hey, 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 listen, I'm, 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 I'm neutral. <laughs> no, you're not. 
You're one or the other. You, you cannot be neutral in this fight. You, you cannot put on a mask and hope the enemy doesn't see you. Who's going to be willing to fight? You say, Pastor, I just don't know if I've got it. All right, I understand that feeling. I understand that thought. I'm not here to beat you over the head and condemn you for feeling that way. That's called humanity. But I'm telling you, you don't have to remain in that kind of spiritual condition because God wants to empower you. God wants to completely renew you. God wants to give you confidence, not in your ability, but in His ability. As I stand, as I walk towards the finish line, I want to follow after God. I've often thought about those martyrs. Paul had to lay his head on some kind of contraption, knowing that whatever it was going to come down and it was going to sever his head from his body. In those last moments, what, what gave Paul that strength? Let me tell you what gave Paul that strength. The same strength that gave Paul the, the, the spiritual fortitude to stand up in a spiritual realm and say and declare and stand in the gap. Amen. What he did is, amen, he nailed that picket pin into the ground and said, listen, you may take my life, but I'm not retreating. I'm standing. Amen. He had this resolve. Amen. I have I, the time of my departure is at hand. Amen. You'll never get to that resolve until you're willing to take off the mask and say, okay, God, I feel so exposed. But what you will really find yourself is being completely enveloped in the presence of God, the Spirit of God, the anointing that will help you. It will lead you. It will guide you. Yes, I'm declaring today that there may be some tough days ahead for the church. But I'm telling you that God will never leave us, nor will He forsake us. But He's got to have an army that's not masked. Amen. That's not disguised. But we're going to walk into battle and we're going to trust in the Lord in which we serve. Amen. This morning, I want to, as we begin to sing, amen. Praise God. Fear has no place. Amen. Hallelujah. It is not of God. Amen. The Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love. Amen. Praise God. And of power and of a sound mind. And that, that phrase, a sound mind, is a disciplined mind. A mind that does not let, amen, fear and doubt step in. But we're going to take and we're going to stand our ground. Amen. We're going we're gonna to nail our picket pin in and say, here we are. We're going to stand in the gap for those in this late hour because this thing is wrapping up and I want to be ready. Come on, church. Why don't you find you a place for the next few moments? Hallelujah. God, help us. Empower us. Encourage us. Lord, help us to see, amen, what you want us to see. Hallelujah. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. God, give us spiritual, amen, understanding today. Help us today. In Jesus.